Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Uh, so we're still in Matthew. We're still talking about the Sermon on the Mount. I was doing some research and I saw that someone had uh, said that the Sermon on the Mount is like the cliff notes to the Bible. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really good. I don't know. Uh, do they still do cliff notes now? I don't know. I'm, I'm so far removed from school at this point that um uh, yeah, I remember when we were in high school and college that in, so in, if you didn't want to read the whole book, which I rarely did, um, <laughs> you would get the cliff notes that would give you the highlights. You know, you kind of give you the most important part so that you could pass the test. Um, but that's what I use it for anyway. Um, but someone was saying that the Sermon on the Mount is the cliff notes to the Bible. So in case you don't want to read the whole book, which I encourage you to at some point in your life. Uh, to endeavor to read the whole book, but just in case you're pressed for time and there are some important parts you want to make sure you get the Sermon on the Mount, so that's Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. Um, read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It gives you the gist of what the Bible kind of is speaking towards or, speak, or, or directing us towards. Um, some of you may agree, or some of you may say, well, there are other things that may be more appropriate uh, as cliff notes. But nevertheless, we are still in Matthew, and we are at 7, verse 7, and we're starting at, uh, I mean, Matthew chapter 7, we're starting at verses 1 through 6. And I think I started this endeavor on going through the Sermon on the Mount last year, right? I think it was just last year. And so uh, this has been a long series. To say the least, uh, and I think I said even initially that it would probably take about 19 sermons, uh, 19 to, uh, between 15 and 20 sermons to get through the Sermon on the Mount. And I, and I often wonder how long did it take Jesus to get through all of this and how long did those people sit there and listen to him preach? Um, because you know that, you know, this is what Matthew wrote down as a Sermon on the Mount. So he didn't, I mean, he didn't write down verbatim what Jesus was was saying. I mean, of course, he wouldn't scribe in that quickly to write down everything he he said, and so I was like, man, he missed some parts, I'm sure. Um, so it might have been even longer. So how long did they really sit there and listen to Jesus uh, preach? But it's some good stuff. And uh, so today we're talking about love, don't judge. And this is good because uh, in our society, uh, this is probably uh, verse 1 of chapter 7. is probably, uh, unfortunately, the most quoted verse of the non-believer. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> the most quoted verse, uh, <laughs> judge not, least you be judged. That is uh, what the non-believer, and sometimes the believer even says that. Uh, the saints and the ain'ts um, sometimes says, judge not that you be not judged. And so we've taken that sometimes to mean that we can't say anything about anyone because it comes across as judging. And that is what the world takes that, and they kind of manipulate that around and say, hey, you can't talk about me because your Bible says judge not, least ye be judged. And they don't read anything else behind that <laughs> or nothing else that goes with that. They just know that verse 1. Um, my daughter is here, and uh, she says that I'm judgy. Um, that's her way of saying that. I can be critical sometimes, and I can as a father. I'm very, I can. I have to watch myself. I'm working on it, Victoria, don't you think? <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Um, and, you know, we have a way as parents, 
You say, you know, you're going to wear that, you know. <laughs> Is that what you're doing with your hair today? <laughs> that's, that's not judgy. I'm just making an observation. Uh, I have led to no conclusion at that point. Uh, but just putting you on notice that I may not like or dislike what you have on or what you're wearing. Uh, but that's my fatherly way. That's fatherly love, right? Yeah. It's judging. Um <laughs> Uh, but Matthew 7, 1 through 6, and it says, judge. And judge here means to come to a conclusion, a decision. You've made a decision. It says, judge not. So don't make a decision, a conclusion, unless uh, that you be judged the same. So someone will do the same for you. Uh, for with what judgment or judge uh, you, what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Uh, and with the measure, it says metrion, it says the basis for determining enough is enough. A fair is fair. Uh, so that measure means that we're determining what is enough. So I'm judging you. I'm making a conclusion about you, about your state, based on limited information, based on little that I know about you, and based mainly on outward appearance and not at the heart. And so that is the judgment that God says, don't judge, judge not, at least you be judged the same way. So someone will judge you the same way, limited information based on your appearance and not really based on what is in your heart. And that measure is going to say that is enough. That is fair. My measure is fair and enough. So the judgment that I give you is fair and enough from my perspective. This is my earthly perspective. Um, and someone will do that in what measure you use. It would be measured back to you. Verse three says, and why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And that's good right there, y'all. Uh, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. And sometimes six doesn't seem like it goes with the rest of that, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, so what does it mean to do not judge? So like I said, judge means is to size someone up and to come to a conclusion. Normally a negative conclusion, but it can be a positive conclusion, and that can be wrong as well. But normally we judge them and come to a negative conclusion. We've judged them based off of their appearance, based off of what they have on, based off the car they drive, based off the neighborhood they live in. Um, we make judgments all the time. And sometimes those are important uh, markers in our mind because it may keep us from safe sometimes. We make certain judgments. Um, so those judgments are okay, but... Uh, I'm not condemning or judging anyone to hell. And this is the judgment. I'm making a final conclusion about someone's life. And sometimes we make initial thoughts and markers, but we haven't made a final conclusion until we get, maybe get to know that person or individual. Um, and then we may, after some time, make some judgments. And then our judgments, our initial judgments that we pray you don't act on may be wrong. And you say, you know what, I thought such and such about them. And I got to know them, and they're very different from what I initially thought. And I thought that, but I didn't act on that, that thinking. You know, I may have thought certain things and said, hey, I'm going to throw that away because I'm in this flesh, and this flesh sometimes thinks things that uh, I shouldn't think. It goes places where I shouldn't go. 
but I can temper that and control that and say, hey, but they're a child of God and I'm going to treat them like a child of God. Right? That's what we should do. Bring that thought into captivity, put it under the word of God and say, hey, that wasn't right. Throw it or cast it aside and move forward in love to get to know that person. Uh, the world has a definition of being judged, sized up and written off. It says, don't judge me. Don't size me up. Don't write me off. Right? That's what it's saying when it says, judge not, least uh, that you not be judged, least you be judged. And that's what the world means. Don't write me off. Don't size me up and write me off. Christians are really good at being judgmental. <laughs> this is from the saints. <laughs> we are really good at being judgmental. And we are good at being judgmental because we have his righteousness that we've convoluted into our own self-righteousness, just as the Pharisees did. And so we have a standard of living a standard of holiness that is not our own, but we think is our own. And we've lowered his standard to meet our standard. And then anything just below our standard is beneath us, right? So we look down on anything, you know, I'm not like them because I don't live in that neighborhood. I'm not like them because I don't dress like this. I don't have these markers on my body or whatever the case may be. And so that's my standard right here. And so anything below that is me judging. I can potentially judge them or be judgmental. Christians can be self-righteous. Uh, we've taken God's holiness and bringing it down, taking our righteousness and bringing it up just enough to be better than everyone else, right? And it always meets where we are. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that funny? I'm, I'm, it meets just where I am is where the marker is. And so then I can look down on everyone else. When the truth is, uh, we all are dirty and filthy and our own righteousness is as filthy rags. And we can do nothing in and of ourselves and it's all his. But sometimes we've taken his holiness and tried to make it our own. And the people of that day knew something about being judged because the Pharisees were very judgmental. They are very self-righteous. They thought what they said was the law and what they did was right and anything anyone else did was wrong. And they were the holders of the truth and what was right. And no one else could tell them anything different when them themselves, when they themselves had beams in their own eyes and they couldn't see. Jesus means that we should not make a final decision condemning them to hell or judging whether the message of the gospel is for them about someone based on limited knowledge or outward appearance. And this is good. So we should make a final decision about uh, someone going to hell, but more importantly, we shouldn't make a final decision about whether someone gets the gospel. And sometimes we may not have condemned someone to hell, but we've chosen not to share the gospel with them because they may not look like us. We've judged them to be unworthy of what they need. They, they are sick and they need this medicine. It is like the doctor holding back the cure saying, hey, you don't need this cure. When you need the cure, I have what you need. Why would I hold back the medicine you need because you don't have health care maybe? I don't know. Because you don't look worthy. You don't look like you should you look, look the Christian part. You know, we have our idea of what that may look like. And so we said, hey, you don't deserve this medicine. Come on, right? We were once sick ourselves. (laughs) 
Some of us was just sick last year. Some of us been sick yesterday. <laughs> and so we were once sick, sick ourselves, and God came to us and met us where we are. And now we sit in judgment of others to divvy out his grace and his mercy. Help us, Lord. Judge not. <laughs> Love don't judge. Love don't judge. How do we how do you want to be judged? <laughs> how do you want to be judged? Um, yeah, I don't want to be judged, right? <laughs> or if you judge me, don't judge me off of my worst day or my worst sin or, or my intentions or my bad intentions or whatever. Don't judge me off of this season in my life that may be awful, <laughs> may have been horrible. But you want someone to look at, compare the good things that I did or, you know, or the good that I did or, or whatever in comparison. Don't judge me on that one event. Don't judge me on I, I did admit to, you know, having a moment with the coworker. Please don't judge me on <laughs> that one moment I had with the coworker where we was kind of, yelling and fussing in the warehouse and that wasn't a good moment for me uh and i had to go back and apologize but don't judge me my six-year tenure at work <laughs> just on that one moment because um, someone some people do you know well, he oh he's horrible and i may be <laughs> but i serve a god that isn't uh and he is re- redeeming me consistently and constantly uh he does not prohibit us from making moral judgments, but he, he does prohibit us from making a final determination on someone's soul. Because even he says, you know, everyone that says, Lord, Lord, we're not making it into heaven. So what we may see and we may think would be righteous and good in appearance, he knows the heart. And this is what we've been getting at all along in, in the Sermon on the Mount, is that God looks at the heart. He is not worried about your outward show. He's not worried about your outward appearance. He is looking at your heart and the intent. And he's digging deeper than the superficial that we put out there. John seven twenty four says, do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So do not judge doesn't include not to call out wrong. You know, it's okay to call out wrong. God has written in his word what is sin. And it's okay to say, hey, that's sin. God still loves you, but that's sin. And we can call that out. Hey, I see this as sin. Uh, and so that's okay. Ephesians 5.11 says, for we were once, for, for you, it says for you, I said we, and that includes me, <laughs> for you were once darkness. Right. That needed that medicine. Uh, But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So what do he mean by expose the unfruitful works of darkness? Meaning calling it out. Hey, this is darkness. This is evil. This is wrong. I don't, I don't want to have any part of that. I don't make a determination about someone's soul, but I can say, hey, I can't be a part of that because that's wrong. That may be, that 
That's between you and God. <laughs> I'm going to pray for you, brother. I'm going to try to love you uh, as best I can through this, but I can't be a part of that darkness. And that is darkness, and we can expose that. We can say, hey, I was once a part of this darkness, and now I'm in the light, and now I know that is darkness because I was once a part of it. And we can expose that and say, hey, look, I was, I was there with you. I've, I've been in that situation, and God delivered me out of that darkness. So we can expose that. That does not give you the right to make a determination about someone's soul or, or say, hey, condemn you to hell and give you no, redeem, no redemption whatsoever and make a judgment on whether I even share the gospel with you because I already think you're going to hell and so I don't waste my time. That's what we do. He does, forgive, he does forbid a critical judgmental spirit. Romans 14.10 says, but why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Not to me, (laughs) not to Pastor Taylor, not to elders and leaders. You don't give an account to them. You give an account to God. Uh, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a curse or a cause to fall in your brother's way. That's a good word, y'all. It says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. Let us not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. So, hey, I'm not going to judge you anymore. (laughs) Maybe I was guilty of it in the past. And what I'm not going to do is put something in your way to cause you to fall, to to play tricks and games with you in this relationship and this love that I have for you. This is a genuine love. I'm not trying to to tempt you to see if you fall and it's these, see, I told you that was darkness. You shouldn't have done it. And I put that out there so you can, that was my test. No, that's not for us to do. No. Let God be, let, let God be God. <laughs> let you be you. <laughs> but let God be God. Because uh, I'd rather stand before a holy God uh, <laughs> than some of you. Because <laughs> he would be more uh, gracious and loving towards me and more forgiving sometimes than our fellow brothers and sister, sisters are in Christ. Nonetheless, not the not the ain'ts, but sometimes the saints are more judgmental and critical and less forgiving than our gracious God. So I'm not going to be a cause for you to fall. I'm not going to be a cause for you to stumble. Uh, Why shouldn't you judge others? That should be easy because it says don't do it. Right. (laughs) You're not the judge. That's why you shouldn't judge. (laughs) Ultimately, you're not the judge. Even I don't care what Judge Judy says or <laughs> what's the black guy's name, Judge Brown or Wapner or all the other ones. Uh, you're not, they're not the judge. Ultimately, God is our judge. But I, I must. So when you go before an earthly judge in the court system, you know, you plead your case. Right. You want them not to just say I've gotten several speeding tickets in my life, unfortunately. Uh, 
cops have not shown me mercy, um, not like some people, they have. <laughs> Every time they stop me, I'm uh, guaranteed I'm going to get a ticket, no matter what I say <laughs> or do. Uh, but when you go to court, you, you know, you can say, hey, well, I've, I've done good all, you know, look at my record. Don't look at my record, <laughs> but look at someone else's record. <laughs> my record may show that I have a pattern here uh, some days, sometimes in my life. Uh, I've done better. I, I tend to do a little bit better now. But nevertheless, uh, so we, we want him to look at the whole record, you know, I want them to take into consideration the circumstances that were going on that may have caused me to speed. Uh, it was the devil that made me do it. It wasn't me. It was <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. I thought the, the speed limit was higher. You know, there were trees and bushes and it was windy and I needed to get home really fast. And uh, yeah, there are all kinds of excuses that other people use, not me. Other people use. Um, <laughs> but you want them to take the totality and you want them to show you grace, even the earthly judges. Um, and, and so much more that our, our God, he doesn't look at just that single incident, but he looks at our lives and he gives account. We have to give an account, but he loves us so greatly. And he looks at the cross, more importantly, <laughs> and the blood that covers us. Uh, so you're not the judge. All right. So Romans 14, 4, let not him who eats, eats, despise him who does not eat. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, it's not funny. I'll, I'll tell you after I read this. Um, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So God is the judge. He's, he's, he's the master. He's over this first individual. He's the potter over the clay forming it. And so he can judge, not us. We're just clay, clay vessels ourselves been made and formed in his image, right? So how can we look at another jar and say, hey, you don't look right when his master is making him, right? Uh, and he's still shaping, shaping and forming us. Uh, so small confession. Uh, my wife bought some double stuffed Oreo cookies on, um, <laughs> y'all know that's my weakness. Uh, it's the devil. <laughs> I think she bought them Friday evening. I think I finished off the bag, yeah, this morning. <laughs> this is like three rolls. This is a double, you know. I have no self-control. All I ate yesterday was Oreo cookies. I didn't eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. All I ate was Oreo cookies all day long. And then I had some for breakfast this morning. Uh, so, <laughs> so my confession. Uh, so don't judge me. Look, it says... <laughs> Let him who eat, does not eat judge him who eats. I eat. Don't judge me. <laughs> if you don't eat, I'm not judging you. But I ate a whole bag of Oreo cookies. I think my daughter may have had some. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to implicate everybody. Everybody going down. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and this is not what this verse is talking about. But we're going to keep this. I think it. when I read this, it was like, don't despise him who does not eat or who eats despise him who does not eat. I remember that I ate a whole thing of Oreo cookies. Um, double stuff. If you want to get me on your good side, buy me some door, double stuff Oreo cookies. We are ace coon boons. We are friends for life. I'm telling you. Uh, <laughs> James four eleven and 12 says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. 
He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge another? Who are you to judge another? God will judge the same way you judge others. God knows that. If that's not enough to make you not judge, <laughs> I don't know. It. God will judge you the same way that you judge others. So that in itself says, hey, I'm, I'm going to get the speck out of my eye <laughs> or the beam out of my eye uh, and then help you out. Uh, God will judge you the same way he judges others. So Romans 2, 1 through 11, this is good. It says, therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. <laughs> I got an amen over there. If you judge, you're doing the same things. Uh, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O oh man? You who judge those practicing such things and doing the same thing that you will escape the judgment of God. Verse four says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impertinent heart. You are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You're storing up for yourself wrath when you judge others. That's what it says. Who will render six? Who will render render to each one according to his deeds? Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and mortality and immortality. But to those who seek who are self seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works that what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For this is not, for there is no partiality with God. So he's saying that he's not going to play favorites. You're going to judge others. He's going to judge you the same way you judge others. And especially those of you who are judging others and you're doing the same thing that you're judging others for. <laughs> that is the epitome of hypocrisy, right? You're doing the same thing, but you're judging someone else. James 2, 12 and 13 says, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy. Uh, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy Mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. How many of us going to show some mercy? <laughs> I admonish you this week just to in opportunities. Cause this is this is real word. Um, not for, you know, we just want not to placate to make you feel good. But this is for you to apply uh, when you go out. And there are going to be opportunities, trust me, <laughs> where you're going to want to judge some people and you're going to want to make some conclusions about someone, uh, maybe based off even what they did. But here it says mercy triumphs over judgment. 
And you're going to want that same mercy when you make the mistake, when you fall, when you stumble. Um, And so let us remember that when the food is not hot or when the waiter brings out the wrong drink or when, you know, the fries are cold or, you know, when they get the order wrong, when you order online and all the things that we can get so upset about and so indignant about and say, you know, I'm going to call the manager up and, you know, show some mercy. (laughs) Show some mercy. With our family, because they get on our nerves the most, right? <laughs> when they act a certain way or do that thing that they know drives you crazy, um, and it is the opportunity for you to, in that moment, is the opportunity for you to show mercy. Not here in church where I'm, I'm just giving you the message and you're saying, yeah, mercy's good. Yeah, 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 great, great, sounds good. <laughs> when, we, when the rubber meets the road. And, you know, when it's a difficult moment, that is the time to say, lean back on this word and say, Lord, give me the strength to show mercy. Give me the strength not to make judgment. Give me the strength to love. Because I will want that in that moment as well. Uh, You should be more concerned about judging yourself. (laughs) Some people agree with that. You know your own sins better than anyone else's. Uh, but sometimes we think we know others better than they do. But and we're so hypocritical and quick to point out, uh, they got this going on wrong, and they doing this wrong, and they doing this wrong. You know your own sins. Judge yourself. It's hypocritical to care about other sins more than your own. Uh, you can't help others with their sins until you first address your own. So this is what this judge said. Uh, and this is good. This is, God is so good. Because he doesn't just leave you with, because he could just say, okay, worry about your own, mind your own business. This is song, gospel song, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. Um, and this important lesson is that, hey, he doesn't say, don't sweep around the neighbor's door, just sweep yours first. <laughs> and this is where this is, this is important because it says, it doesn't say that you couldn't see the speck or beam in your neighbor's eye, but it says, get yours out first. So then you can clearly help your neighbor get his out, try to get theirs out. So it's important. There's there's a relationship here. This is important because I need to be bold enough, and sometimes some of us are too bold, um, (laughs) to be able to see my neighbor's faults, problems, and then say, okay, let me internalize this and say, okay, what do I need to do to sweep, sweep around my own front door? Let me get the speck out of my eye or the beam out of my eye. Let me work on me and get this right first. Then I can see clearly, because it says you can see clearly now to help your neighbor. It doesn't say, I've swept around mine. I see your faults. Deuces. I'm out. <laughs> I got mine's good. We're good. My house is swept up. I got my eyes are clear. I got my specs on. I can see clearly you're wrong, and I'm not going to help you out of your fault. That is not where God leaves us, right? Because he loves all of us. And he says, hey, when you get yours right, then go help your sister and brother. So that leads me, that, that leads me to believe, one, that I, and there's a way to approach that in love, 
We'll get to that. But go help them in love. You're not going to go say, hey, hey, Laura, you got that speck in your eye. Get it out. All right, we're good. I'm out. No, <laughs> that's not love. <laughs> Come on, in love, I'm going to go beside her and speak to her privately, possibly, and say, hey, look, I see you having this issue you know, going on. Can I help? Can I assist you? I know this is a problem. You know, I, I used to deal with this myself. You know, can we work together to help you? I'll be praying for you. What can we do to work on that? That's the kind of coming together in love. That's the kind of love that we're approaching this with. Maybe you don't even, maybe you're not the person <laughs> to even address it. Maybe you address it with Laura's friend who knows her a little bit better and say, hey, look, I see that Laura has this issue. I, I don't really know her well. You know her better. Can you talk to her? And, you know, and then maybe that person says, hey, I got a beam in my eye. I can't, <laughs> I can't talk with Laura. <laughs> Find someone with just a little speck of dust. They can work on their stuff. And, they can, and then they can say, okay, yeah, I know. I'll talk to her. Yeah, we got. Maybe the best thing you could do is just pray. Because if we really truly believe in the power of prayer, that, that in itself is just powerful enough to, to make the situation Improve. Help Laura out greatly. Laura, I'm not picking on you. I don't see any being respect in your eye at all. <laughs> she sat here, so I'm good. <laughs> no. uh, God calls us to help others rather than to judge them. Galatians 6, 1 through 5 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual. If you're not spiritual, you can't go. You can't go. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got to be spiritual. Some of us are more spiritual, more sensitive than others. In this walk, right? I, I may not be the person to go talk to everyone because I can be sometimes a little bit, you can ask my wife, I can be a little rough and brash and, you know, <laughs> I can be. And, uh, so, and judgy, as my daughter would say. Uh, <laughs> but you who are spiritual, restore, restore such a one in the spirit of what? Gentleness. Considering yourself, least you also be tempted. It says, you are spiritual, restore that person. Because consider that you could be falling in the same temptation yourself. And sometimes you may have fallen in the same temptation yourself. Bear one another's burdens, uh, and this is verse 2, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, <laughs> when he is nothing, he deceives himself. That's that self-righteous we talked about. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have, have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. So examine yourself. But then once you examine yourself, and, and you, like you said, you, you've taken out the dust or whatever in your eye, go help your brother out. First uh, Peter four and eight says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent. And it says love. It says deep. Uh, the Greek word is means deep, fervent love for one another, deep love for one another. For love will overcome a multitude of sins. Multitude meaning numerous, a plethora of sins. Love will overcome that. It is about loving, loving others. Jesus could have just left it with just mind your own business, which sometimes I wish he had, <laughs> but he did not. 
His love moves him to want us to help our neighbor. So after getting the beam out of your eye, I need to lovingly go and help my neighbor. I need to lovingly go and help my neighbor. Vincent's uh, comment. I'm not going to read that because it's, it's pretty lengthy. So I'm jump on too. Uh, but the commentary just says, just above all things, we should remember to love one another, to go to one another in love. Um, what about those who refuse your help? All right, so this is where uh, verse 6 comes into play, or those who refuse your help. What about those? Uh, do not engage those who treat the gospel with contempt. So, And you know how we can get into some some arguments and bickering back with people who who maybe you've tried and they're just hey I'm not I'm not with it don't don't fool with me with that which is fine uh, and, and it's not your job to beat them over the head with the cross or with your Bible or with whatever you're beating them over the head with uh, but sometimes you need to let let it go and it is when at that moment if they're not willing to receive and, and this is when you've come in love and you approach in love and they're not willing to receive that. Sometimes it's okay to step back and say, Lord, you know, I'm going to let you handle it because they're not, they're not able to receive this right now. And maybe this is a season in their life. Again, we're not making a judgment on them, but maybe this is a season in their life that they're not really too, uh, able to receive in that moment. And in that moment, I can step away and say, Lord, I'm going to let you handle it. I, I've come to them in love. They're not willing to change. They don't even want to hear me out. Uh, it says, and they are engaging the gospel with contempt. Proverbs 9, it says, do not correct a scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Uh, give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase his learning. And it says, so don't, in, don't get into it with anyone who's just wanting to argue with you and argue down for point for point about why they're doing what they're doing. Don't waste your time. Uh, don't speak. In the hearing of a fool, Proverbs 23 and 9 says, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Don't speak. You know, some people in this world system believe that and this is true that. Uh, so a coworker, he had um, posted that he was having a, a child. Get, just, well, what I t- come to find out was a girlfriend was pregnant. And so. He was posting on Facebook, like, oh, it's exciting to, to be having a child. So I didn't know. I said, oh, I didn't know you married. So when I saw him, I said, oh, man, I didn't know you was married. He said, oh, I'm not married. He looked at me like I was foolish. Like, why would you think that? But my assumption is you were having a child. You were married. That's just my thinking. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit old. Uh, but my thinking is, oh, you're having a child. You're going to be married. And he said, I'm not married. I said, oh, you're looking to get married. No way. He was like, no way. I'm not ready to be married at all. I said, and, and so I know him a little well. I said, but you're having a child with this girl. That's one thing, but I'm not ready to be married. I was like, this is the world's thinking. <laughs> this is the world's thinking where <laughs> it would be foolish to me to think that you were contemplating marriage with the person you was having a child with. Um, fool, fool me once. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. But I thought it was funny, but it was indicative of what just several conversations of how the world processes things, what the world thinks. Hey, I'm having a child with this woman. I'm fine. That's that's one thing. But for me to marry her, no way. <laughs> he said some other words like, "What's wrong with you? I ain't getting married." I'm, I was like, "Okay, well, I'm sorry." But again, I'm not going to argue with him about. And, and my point was, uh, the world will argue you down that that is the way to go. 
That is the route that you should, you should live with a person and get to know them. You know, you should even have a child with them or two. And maybe then you get married. Maybe. <laughs> but that's the world's thinking. Uh, and I'm not going to argue with them. Understand the supreme value, value in following Jesus and God's word. There's, there's value in doing and not judging. There's value in doing what God wants us to do. I'm going to end with these three things. I run a little bit long. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> are you one of these? And so we're going to pray about hopefully you're not any of these. But are you one of these? Do you size people up and walk away? Do you judge others and then immediately come to a conclusion and you walk away? That's it. I'm, they're this type of person and I don't want to deal with them. You know. And so that's it. You write them off. So that's one type of person. Or do you see the speck and it reminds you to check your beam and you leave it there? You get caught up in your own self and you never make the next step of helping your neighbor out. So you, you see the speck and you say, hey, I got to work on my own self. And you get caught up in your own self. And I think some of us are, are there. We, we caught up in our own lives and caught stuck in, you know, hey, I got stuff I need to work on. And we make the excuse that, hey, I'm working on me. So I don't have time to work on or help anyone else. And then, and many of us, have you been judged and you, now you don't take correction or any kind of uh, direction well at all? You've been hurt. Maybe you've, been over, you've become oversensitive and now no one can tell you anything. No one can tell you that your shoes are the wrong color. We can't tell you anything. <laughs> um, let us pray and repent. We must realize that God wants to work things out in our lives. Let us make Cornerstone a safe place to love and to be loved. God loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. And so he's giving you brothers and sisters in Christ, fortunately, that are supposed to love you. And when they see fault and sin in your life, one, that they sweep around their own front door. But then they, more importantly, will come and help you sweep around yours. Because I don't want to leave my brother and sister in fault or in sin or doing wrong when I can see clearly that that may, that may be what they're doing. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, we just thank you for... Uh, your grace and your mercy. We thank you for showing us to love. We, Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart that's genuine. That's genuine to your Holy Spirit and the fruits of your Spirit. And that we begin to approach people in love and in gentleness. And that we begin to do life with people and walk beside them and see them be delivered. And, and see them out of situations that they're in, Lord God. Let us not just take all this grace and mercy and heap it upon ourselves in our own situation, but allow us to clean up our own stuff enough to see clearly and help others get out of the mess that they're in. And there's so many people in this world that are looking for people to help them out of their mess, whether it be by prayer, whether it be by fasting, whether it be by supplication, Lord God, whether it be by just a handout, a give, a, a gift. Uh, just a hug, a kind word can go a long way. Just, just showing them and encouraging them and, and just showing them love 
move people to change their situations. We pray that we be that light, we be that salt, Lord God, and that we be the ones that are able to show love. And if we are able, if we're the ones that need the correction, Lord God, that we pray that our hearts are are tender and that we're able to receive that correction and love and that we're able to change course and, and make changes in our own lives that will give you glory. We thank you and we bless you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.